You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1, O-U-T-D-O-O-R, and the number one. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And on the show today, I've got an all-star lineup. I mean, this it's loaded. I've got a stack deck that I'm playing with right now on the show. And so joining me is Paul Wagner, Sean Ritter, and Eric Tasker. Now, between these three guys, they cover everything from kayak fishing to whitetail deer hunting. Some of them are actually, all three of them are currently radio hosts. We've got former Major League Baseball player. We've got CMA broadcast winners. I mean, like just a serious, serious group of guests on the show. And I'm pumped. All three of them are from Wisconsin. We're going to be talking about all sorts of outdoor activities right now. Buckle up because it's going to get good. Like, he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, so I am constantly getting asked about the gear that I'm using, and the great news is that I've got it all listed out on Go Wild. Now, if you listen carefully, I'm going to tell you how you can get a $10 gift card to use toward picking up some new gear. Go Wild is a free social community where your photos aren't censored. They're actually encouraged. So much so that Go Wild will give you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. Now, as you earn those points, you can unlock awesome rewards like gift cards and free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Also, check this out. If you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. So go visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started. All right, guys. Welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today, I, I'm already loving this because I've got three Wisconsin boys on the show. And I normally don't have that. Every now and then I get one of the Minnesotans, and everyone knows that's not very good. But uh, no, three guys from Wisconsin. And... Your setup is pretty amazing. I I got on the call early and seeing all your like sound dampeners in the back, your microphone setup, I'm not used to this. So I almost <laughs> feel like I'm out of my element talking to you guys. But thanks for being on the show. 
Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're glad it, it kind of vice versa. Like we do a show and like we're on a different show. So same thing. Like we're both having this weird, like we're crossing some sort of weird dimensional thing together. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Well, um, why don't you guys start by just introducing yourselves, share with the listeners a little bit about what you do about the radio show, about the podcast, um, and a little of your hunting background. All right, I guess uh, we'll all start again. Uh, I'm Sean Ritter, a huge horse fishing. I've been, you know, a lot of bass fishing my entire life. Grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, uh, now live in Milwaukee. My normal, like, day job all the time, I host a country radio show, which I'll humble brag that I'm the CMA winner for broadcast personality of the year this past year. That's uh, out the side. But really, the projects that I love is the outdoor stuff. And we have an outdoor show on our FM sports station that the three of us do together, which is also a podcast available on the iHeartRadio app. Um, so, you know, we get to talk a lot of stories, a lot of stuff of the past. Um, you know, we were talking before we jumped on the call. I was huge into fishing. And when I had my son, like four years ago, I was like, I'm going to be a dad. And so I stopped doing any hunting, fishing, anything. I just focused on being a dad for three years. And so this last kind of year has been me really getting back into doing things and, and changing my perspective and changing how I do things. And so a lot of stuff I talk about like on our show and our podcast is that I've got my YouTube channel that I do a lot of the same thing of kind of just inspiring people to, to try new things. And it's okay to be different and it's okay to suck and fail because we're not all perfect. Life's not perfect. So that's kind of like my little mantra and how I go about things. I'm going to yeah. go one of the rest of you guys. Yeah, I'll jump in here. Uh, Eric Tasker, um, one of our trio that we've got here. And uh, you and I probably have quite a bit in common. I went to school in Eau Claire. And when I was 21 years old, I finally got my hunter safety license. So, um, which is kind of a wild story as it is. But uh, so I started a little bit later as well. But it was something that my my dad, my uncles have done for 45 years in that Eau Claire area. And uh, so I wanted to get in. I want to be able to go out with them and instead of just going out and sitting in the stand, actually be able to hunt. And um, so that was that was my first kind of foray into it and started off just gun hunting. And then most recently, the last probably five years, I've really gotten into bow hunting quite a bit. And uh, yeah, was able to get Ritter. So I'm excited about getting out and doing some bow hunting too. So um, yeah, lots of stories about that. Born and raised in Milwaukee. And uh, yeah, we've been um, kind of making this whole thing work for two years now. Nice. It's been that long already. Wow. Time flies. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dan, my name is Paul Wagner. I grew up in Wisconsin, played uh, baseball for a few teams. I went to Illinois State University and then uh, played in Pittsburgh. I played in Milwaukee, Cleveland, Atlanta, and the New York Mets, and then finally got fired, and, and the gig was up. I couldn't fool anybody anymore, and I, <laughs> they wouldn't give me any more uniforms. But, you know, doing uh, sports talk radio here in Milwaukee has is, is given me this opportunity to, to talk something that I also um, adjusted to late in life. Baseball is a summer sport, so my main objective in the winter or coming home in the offseason was relaxing having a cocktail and riding snowmobiles or, or doing something in the snow, ice fishing. Um, now that I have the opportunity to do some summer sports, I do dabble with fishing. I do love musky fishing up where you're from. I love the Chippewa and the Flambeau. Um, I do not like lake musky fishing. I am more of a floater. I like to go down rivers. I like to, you know, underneath cedars and stuff like that behind rocks. I love to do that. 
Um, but yeah, so the baseball opportunity or my baseball background actually opened up the doors for this opportunity with these two other guys. And I think we're a good fit. I'm much older than them. They're younger. They have different ideas. I'm old school. And, uh, um, it's, it's weird how this has all been put together. Some of us hunt public, some of us have their own land, some, you know, run and gun, some sit, you know, some do food plots, some, you know, look around, but, our program is pretty well put together. The three individuals that we got, I'm going to pat ourselves on the shoulders. Uh, we're pretty good. I mean, we all, we all bring something different and me being old and getting into it late, you know, excited about Turkey and whitetail hunting going out West. But again, like we talked about off the air, some of the things that I regret is being so old now and passing on opportunities that were there hunting the Texases, doing Osceola Turkey hunting down in Florida, um, shooting hogs out of helicopters in Arkansas, going down to Stuttgart and shooting birds, things that I passed on going out West, you know, get going elk hunting, go sit in Montana or Wyoming, you know, just going on a golf outing to Lake Tahoe was, was my out West trip. So now I'm really kicking myself for not doing it, but I think it's pretty good program we have here. And uh, yeah, that's kind of my background, but um, again, I'm the old, I'm the elder statesman here. The wise one. Uh, I don't know about that. Super <laughs> humble about his major league career. Like, oh, I just played like whatever. Like, Wags yeah. was a legit pitcher. Like, he was a good pitcher. He's, he's super humble about it, but like, he was the real deal. Just, you know, you, you, you can YouTube and you can see clips of him on you. Like, he, he was a legit no, pitcher. No, no, don't do that because it's all home runs. There's <laughs> <laughs> the one, but I mean, that guy hit home runs off of everybody. Everything pops up, but it isn't Paul Wagner. It's Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, and Sammy Sosa. So it's not good. <laughs> Oh man. I, yeah, it, it's cool that you are humble about it all. It, it's always funny when you hear people in like a professional, um, arena talk about their past. And like you said, you're just like, Oh yeah, I played for Milwaukee and, and, uh, Pittsburgh and all these different teams. And it's like, Holy crap. Like if I could even just shake hands with some of these guys, that'd be, that'd be a feat. And you're just talking about it. Like it's no big deal. Um, it's, it's awesome though, that you guys have such a good mix of hunters fishers and outdoorsmen there uh, i can only imagine it it gets kind of fun in the studio every now and then it's like when you see different branches of the military talking to each other and they just give each other crap about everything i've noticed that in the hunting community like the diehard turkey hunters give crap to the diehard bass fishermen give crap to the you know saddle whitetail guys and uh it it makes for pretty good dialogue you know, growing up around here, the biggest battle that I always get is it's between the walleye guys and the bass guys. It's yep. like your, your team walleye or team bass. And like my, my brother is a huge walleye guy and I'm straight. So there's a lot, you know, that, that's the, that's the, that I deal with the most of. Yeah. And if you, if you talk about it, like it's the same thing, like from an outsider's <laughs> perspective, I like to fish. I'll, I'll fish for just about anything. Typically I like to eat the fish that I catch. Um, but when I, when I'm like, guys, you guys are fighting over the same thing. Well, then you just made an enemy out of both the walleye and the bass fishermen yeah. because they're like, absolutely not. Don't loop me in with that guy. It's funny. Cause just the other day Ritter posted, I think it was even just yesterday that he had posted, uh, are you fishing for green or are you fishing for Brown? Oh, I mentioned bass. Yeah. What's your preference, green fish or Brown fish, you know, yeah. on our, I think it was on our show's Instagram and like just about everybody put Brown fish except for Eric Tasker here, who I've got. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm, I will transform him to a brown back boulder bronco fishing maniac soon enough. <laughs> and just like you were saying, Dan, my response back to him was, I'm happy if anything's biting on the line. So mm -hmm. I'll catch whatever. It doesn't matter to me. Just, oh, just, absolutely. Just don't, don't invite me to my shore lunch late. <laughs> 
<laughs> man it gets even worse when you get out west when you get into the fly fishing guys and it's oh, like yeah. dry fly or wet fly uh i i watched a youtube video one time it was just like a spoof on fishing and these guys went out to fish with a trout guide and they were from the midwest they're used to fishing for like walleye and you know fish that you're gonna end up eating and so the guide's like all right so now what you do is you you set them back in the water and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, to keep them cool. You keep them cool for later. And he's like, no, 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 you let them go. And they're like, let them go into the into the cooler. And he's like, no, let them go back into the wild. And he's like, why would you do that? And he's like, uh, so that you can catch them later. Oh, that's good, good. So there's more meat. They're bigger later on. And he's like, no, 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 you never eat them. And these guys are just getting so upset. They're like, they're ready to leave. And it's funny growing up in Wisconsin. That's what we did. I mean, we, we caught pike and, and walleye. We didn't catch a lot of muskie. Um, and I don't know if we would have eaten them if we did, but my dad just absolutely loved the fight when he could get one on. Um, we'd do, we'd do Canada every year. We'd go up there and fish. And that was like, you eat it immediately. You catch it, you fry it up on the bank for lunch, and then you go right back out and fish again. Um, so when, when I talk to fishermen who let the fish go, it's kind of a, a foreign concept to me still. I feel we all let them go. It's whether you let them go into a lake or 375 degree oil. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. We, um, we did, a, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we did um, Alaska. I did that a few years ago and the salmon were running, the kings, the, I don't know exactly what time we were, but it was when the sun never set. So we were on the, <clears throat> excuse me again, the, the, the sand banks. And I got this salmon, this, this salmon comes in and I get it. I bring it in and buddy picks it up and he takes it off. He shows me and he looks at it and he throws it back. And I go, Hey, what are you doing? I, I, I don't, I, we smoke it. We do something with it. I don't even know if I told these guys this, well, what happened was they were running so much that I snagged them. He, it wasn't a clean, a clean bite. And I didn't understand yep. the rules. I'm like, Hey, you bring a fish in. If I boat, a, I, I drag this fish on the shore. I'm, we're eating it. We're smoking <laughs> yeah. it or something. Go, what the heck are you talking about? I don't care how I caught it. What if I caught it with my hands? And he goes, no, no, no. It's an illegal catch. So we looked at it and he threw it back. And again, dumbfounded as I was uneducated. I'm like, what in the world just happened here? That's my fish. Oh yeah. That that's a really, it's a whole different ball game. Once you get up to Alaska, because you can't foul hook them anywhere i mean right. even if it's on the face if it's not in their lip you got to throw them back and i was getting frustrated because i've done that trip twice now and the first time i went up there uh the girl that we went with she's like listen you got to throw that one back it was my first salmon i was so proud of it i pulled it out and she's like we got to put it back and i'm like what are you talking about and she's like well you hooked it on the fin well there's fifteen thousand salmon running up the river i'm like i I have no way to tell where this is going to hook it. And she's like, that's the problem. You know, you got to get it in the mouth. And, and then she proceeds to tell me they're not even hungry. They're not eating. They're just running the river. I'm like, how do you get a fish in the mouth when there's 15,000 of them swimming as fast as they can up river and they're not even hungry. Not hungry. And she's like, it's called flossing. And I'm like, okay, I've always hated flossing anyways. This makes it even worse. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we ended up catching a couple that we got to keep and they were delicious. But I was like, why don't we go find the hungry fish? Where do they live? Because this river sucks. Yeah. <laughs> do you get, so uh, you mentioned that you're big into musky fishing. Is that a, is that just a summer thing for you or are you fishing uh through the ice for them as well 
I don't go through the ice, but what I do is when I go up there, you might even know this place. It's, it's, it's right on where the Chippewa and the Flambeau connect in Holcomb. Yeah. And that guide up there is, is a guy that I, I've been doing so many things with Joe Flater and we'll go up there literally before this past year, because I had a target buck on my property that I was going after. I would almost go up there and we would musky fish right up until cold weather up until guys were literally, there'd be guys, like you said, the orange army, when you were growing up, the orange army would start and there'd be guys either duck hunting on the Mississippi or there'd be guys musky fishing. And I don't know when the zone, when the Northern zone actually closed up there, but no, to answer your question, I'll do everything but ice. Um, I'll do warm weather. I'll do cold weather. I'll do rainy. As long as he mans the ore boat, we just float. And it's, it's amazing because somebody always used to say that muskies are 10,000 casts per fish or per yeah, bite fish or 10,000 casts. And, and it's so wrong. If you're not on a lake, if you're down to chip on the flambeau, I mean, we boat, <clears throat> excuse me again, we boat at least three to four fish. They might not be the big, you know, 34 to 40 inches and let them go. But yeah. we're seeing fish you do in your little circle eight. And you're thinking, Oh, what is this going to do? And all of a sudden you see these eyes come up to you like a crocodile. And you're like, no way it works. It mm-hmm. actually works. So um, I love it. I, I, I enjoyed it. I like the action. I like the big fish. Um, but as you mentioned, some guys now, some of these guides have been taking guys out and they are actually fly fishing for muskies. Um, and then I just sent Ritter over a one, a copy of one, a guy who's doing musky fishing out of kayaks. That's, that's my bucket list. That's I'm the not last that. year as I got into <laughs> kayak fishing. I said, I, I'm going to, I'm going to transition over and put down the bass gear every now and then. And I'm going to try and I'm going to boat a muskie in my kayak. Like oh, I want to put a muskie in my lap. I mean, I, I've fished in the Pacific ocean, you know, rooster fish and all that stuff from a kayak. And that's an amazing experience. It's so cool, you know, but I think to put a toothy critter that, you know, we grew up with the muskie in my lap, that's, it's going to happen oh, probably this summer. So sweet. <laughs> I, I love, I love kayaking and canoeing. We do that every summer. Um, I mean, in college, I bet you I was out three weekends a month. Uh, a lot of times I would just skip Friday or Monday to give, give myself a little extra time on the water. But, um, you had a fish out of a kayak, especially for something that size, I think it'd be cool to try to boat. And I think you'd probably end up in the water before it ended up in the kayak, but sturgeon up there. I don't know if you guys have gotten into sturgeon fishing on any I've of those. Seen it, I've seen it's it done amazing. in a kayak. I've seen it done in a kayak, Dan. I've seen it. Oh yeah. They, <laughs> when you get those big ones, I mean, you might be going for a ride, uh, Slay ride. <laughs> yeah. You're just, you're just going down the river. People are like, what kind of motors he got on that thing? And no, nope, it's just a fish on the end. So um, that's terrifying for me. Terrifying. Oh, and, fish pull you around. Nah, no, nah, you'll be all right. You just use your, I'll be the one that'll hips. end up going in the water. Knees so. and hips are your balancing point. That's all you got to remember. I mean, you've got more confidence in my kayaking ability. Than I do. <laughs> hey, listen, I feel, I feel pretty good in kayaks. And I tell people like, as long as, as long as you um, don't, don't do anything sudden, everything's got to, you know, be thought out. You're going to be fine. Now, when I get in a canoe, I was in a canoe with my dad and my buddy, Brad. Now we had probably 650 pounds of man in this canoe and my dad, he was up front. I, even though I was the smallest out of everybody, I like to be in the back of the canoe. I feel like I've got control over it. It was my canoe anyways. It's like driving your own car, right? And uh, you're the motor. You're 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 the power guy. Exactly. And we're flo- we're we're cruising down the Buffalo River and they're like, "Oh, do you ever tip? You ever hit rapids?" And I'm like, "Yeah, there's some rapids here." Um I said I've never tipped before and they're like, "Oh, okay, cool, cool." Well, we get to this 
like it's probably a foot waterfall, right? And you just go down. Well, you have to hit it at a certain angle because as soon as you get down the drop, there's a boulder that you can't see under the water. And so it'll catch your left side and start to tip you. My dad, I was like, guys, listen, this is going to happen. I told him like a quarter mile upriver from this spot. I'm like, it's not, we're going to be fine. We get down there, we hit. And as soon as there's that little tap on the bottom of the boat, my dad bails. Well, when 290 pounds of man bails out of a boat, that means everybody's getting out of the boat. And so now I'm swimming as fast as I can, trying to catch our dry bags, everything, and get it gathered back up. And I look over and here's this dude. And I mean, you guys have been around sports. You see the guys with the giant lenses on their cameras. This guy's sitting on a rock bar and he's just doing some type of outdoor magazine photos. And here we are dumped out of the canoe floating, like just scrambling to get all of our stuff. Yeah. I, he made I his day. He got some good shots. Oh, he absolutely did. I haven't, they haven't surfaced yet, but now that, now that my face is getting out there a little bit more, I'm sure someone's going to send me a picture before long it'll come back to haunt you for sure you'll end up on the cover of some magazine like outside magazine or something now oh yeah it's gonna be like dan matthews podcast host has no idea what he's Dude, doing, what he's doing canoe canoe. tipper extraordinaire <laughs> send him down any river he's guaranteed to dump i'm gonna start getting a lot of uh life jacket partnerships coming in hey and that's yeah, good it'll good, work good stuff man it doesn't matter um so as far as as far as deer hunting uh i know you guys are starting to get into bow hunting um what what has that looked like i mean you guys are kind of in the best part of the country some people are like iowa is number one if you look by numbers wisconsin leads in every category i i mean i'm a proud wisconsin anyways i'm I'm not as proud as the texans are but i'm pretty proud of my home state what is what does whitetail hunting look like for you guys you know me growing up you know families had property in marinette county which is the far northern like northeastern part of the state I didn't hunt because it's just, it wasn't something that interested me that much. And as I got into hunting, I got into waterfall hunting and deer season, waterfall hunting goes like side by side. And I'd much rather duck hunt than deer hunt. Um, I've transitioned now that, like I mentioned before, I, you know, kind of gave up things. And now as I'm looking at them, like, oh, you know what, actually deer hunting's kind of fun. I can do it here and there, you know, take a day off here, you know, week, couple weekends. And I kind of like the solitude now. It used to be like I was a very social person and I like the camaraderie of duck hunting. And now I'm kind of okay to have a couple hours of just pure silence and me and my thoughts. It's, you know, a little bit of therapy, but I mean, being a kayak angler, I spend entire days in the water, just me all alone in my boat. So I've grown into it and I like it and I enjoy it now. Yeah. As far as numbers and stuff go, you mentioned Wisconsin having like, you know, we're known as like having the biggest deer. I have my theory on that, that it doesn't have to do with actually we truly have big deer. It's just we have a lot of bars that have big buck contests. So more people like come in and register and brag about their big deer <laughs> than in other states. That's just yeah. my theory on why we are like are looked at as like this big buck thing, you know. Well, and, I, and I it's do funny think be- there may be an issue, though, as we see the northern part of the state is the deer herds and the populations. Again, you can discuss this at will whenever and whoever. Um, I think there's lots of reasoning, whether it's be wolf predation, predation or coyotes or bad weather, but a lot of it has moved down the larger deer, obviously in the Buffalo and Trempolo counties, if you're familiar with Wisconsin over by where you were a little south of you on that Mississippi, but the farmland and the ag land down here, it is starting to move more centrally located. So that's why your Iowa's, your Missouri's, your Northern Illinois, your Southern Wisconsin's are producing 
it seems like there's a lot of big deer. The controversy here now in Wisconsin is how many bucks can you take? How many deer is, should you take? Is baiting illegal? I mean, how in the world are you going to um, harvest this animal? Are you going to use a crossbow? Are you going to use a compound bow? Are you going to use a gun? What about the youths? You know, there's so many things here because people believe that that next 200 incher is coming around the corner and it's almost starting to fight, almost like we were just talking about the fish, whether you're a walleye guy or a bass guy, it's almost like what weapon of choice are you as a deer hunter? But I think the numbers are there. I think the opportunity is there. I think there's definitely enough cropland and everything to see monster deer here again, but it's just feuding amongst each other and instead of enjoying the hunt and enjoying the fish. And I think when you first mentioned that, that was the first thing that came to my mind, the topic of, of confrontation where nobody can be happy with harvesting a deer, whether you're, you're 60 or 70 years old, or you're 25 years old, or you just got your hunter safety. It shouldn't matter. You know, the, the, the trophy buck and the experience of outdoors is so big. And I regret it so much that I missed that outdoors opportunity early in life. And I'm just jumping in late. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of division <clears throat> just all over the place. I mean, not just in hunting, but unfortunately when people don't do things like I enjoy giving other people crap about stuff. <clears throat> It's all in love. My buddies who have a certain sport that they absolutely love, I poke fun at them and they do the same to me. Um, but as a whole, I feel like people can't be okay with others doing things differently than them, whether it's the method of take, whether it's the weapon, the type of tree stand they sit in, um, if they're sitting in the wood, woods versus a food plot, even with waterfowl hunting, uh, some, of the, some of the funniest TikTok pages are all satire and it's about like, how Benelli Super Black Eagle threes are the worst gun out there, you know, and they just give people a hard time because they think it's funny. Well, there's a lot of people that take themselves way too seriously in the hunting world. And I, I try to bring some humor to it because I don't want people to get so butthurt about it. It's like, man, we all love doing this. We really do. And when you talk to people in person, it's a whole lot different than online. There's a lot of feuds and division online. I hardly ever get into it with people face to face. We get along I mean, well. We share stories. Every aspect of our lives, are we not committed with that? I mean, I, we won't go down that road, but just look at the political. You know what I mean? I have like, it's like oh, everything. Yeah. It's either my side or against me. And that's where you say, like, either either you're, you know, do it. Like, you're a tree stand hunter or I'm a this. Like, it's like, yeah, you're right. No one can be happy with what everyone else is doing. And like, this is all a common goal. It's yeah. you need to do it my way or you're doing it the wrong way. You know, yeah. we mentioned our show. We celebrate the fact that we're so different. I am a like totally mobile tree stand, run and gun, climbing sticks. I will move around. I I've I think twice I sat in the same tree. Like it's like I move around a ton. Whereas yeah. you know you've got Tasker who is more stationary and sets to stand and you know goes up and down and stand. You know same tree pretty much every day. Wags has got his own private property. It has you know the big built up redneck blinds that you stay in. So like we celebrate our differences and, you know, kind of try and explain that it's okay to be different. It's kind of cool. And these are all the, these are the pros and cons to all these things. Choose yeah. what fits you best. Oh man. I grew up, I, I mean, growing up in Wisconsin, there was a way to deer hunt, right? Like this is what you do. You sit still, you shut up. You use those little scent wafers that you clip with a safety pin on your hat and on your jacket <laughs> and on the tree next to you. And uh, now I've found myself absolutely loving and embracing new ways like outside the box strategies where guys will go out. They don't use any scent control. They just play the wind or that's me. The, yeah. The guys that are in the woods all the time, like it used to be, you stay out of the woods. You don't go in there for anything until 
you know, right before deer season, you make sure your stands are hung. And I'm like, that was backwards anyways. Like you go two days before season opens and you make all this noise. I I've fully adopted the mindset of I'm going to be in the woods as often as I can. I go out there a couple times a week to check trail cameras. I walk around. I have deer that jump over the fence 40 yards from me, <clears throat> excuse me, 40 yards from me when I'm checking my trail camera now. And they'll stand there and look at me and I'm like, mm -hmm. they almost get used to my presence there. And no, it's not like a 200 inch buck standing there looking at me, but the more comfortable they are with human presence. I've, I, I think I kind of adopted that. I've heard people talk about it, like being out in, in farm equipment on tractors and watching deer come out with them in the field still. But then more than that, I go to city parks, like there's a nature center here in Springfield and I walk around and there are deer four feet off the walking yep. trail. Right. And they just look at you. And it's like, if you can, if you can uh, train them and condition them to think that your presence is not a threat to them, they will walk right up to you. It doesn't matter what scent you have on or don't have on. And that uh, theory right we'll there. We'll see Dan, how it goes. We'll see. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I've adopted into the, I found a piece of public land that a lot of people go and walk or walk their dogs on some of the trails in this area. Yeah. And I intentionally chose that property for that. I wanted to find something that the deer are used to people and used to things being around there. Yep. And I mean, I've had Tasker come out there with me at one point and the amount of deer that, that you've seen there and you can see there. And I had a chance, I screwed up last year and I had easily a 170 in front of me at like 50 yards. I do what, you know, any new beginner would do. I panicked and got crazy and launched my arrow <laughs> directly into a tree. Deer never knew I was there. I had no clue. As far as I know, that deer is still there. I have another guy that kind of hunted around the same area that had trail cameras up. He had pictures I'd seen later in the season. We hooked up in a parking lot and chatted. Um, it's, it's still there, but I intentionally wanted to find somewhere that had people around. So exactly that. Again, I just, I play the wind and know that the deers aren't spooky by some person or by scent at all. Yep. Yeah. And you see, you see people adopting very out of the box strategies now with whitetail hunting. And it seems like as a whole, especially on social media, we've gone away from the, like you sit in this one stand, you do a ton of scent cover, you dump your pile of corn out in front of your stand. Like people are coming up with really cool and creative ways, even with like the decoy, the stalker decoys that you can mm -hmm. basically walk up with it clipped on the front of your bow. There's just a lot of different ways to hunt. And that was one of the big perks of starting my podcast. I thought I was going to have all the old school people on the, the, you know, famous whitetail celebrities, but I have fallen in love with talking to people who do it totally different ways. Or it might be a no name dude that hunts city ponds for, for peacock bass in Florida and the passion that he has. I like to hear and share opportunities that a lot of people might not know about. I got, I just got to add one thing with that scent. I think it's what fears the deer. So you were talking about tractors, my four wheelers run. They, they, they don't, you can watch them. You stop that four wheeler and you get off and start to walk. Yeah. They're going to spook. I have another buddy of mine who right now, turkey hunting will go out on his food plot right now. And he will leave his clothes there. He will leave a shirt there. He will leave a glove there. He will leave something. And he totally believes that that's his property. He runs it. He does it all the time. He's a guy who pees off the stand. As long as he's playing the wind, right? He doesn't <laughs> care, but his smell is out there. 
and it's yep. early enough where he's and he still shoots big deer. These deer become so great. They don't take his smell and put that with fear. They're not scared of it. And have I done that yet? No, Am I, I, I don't want to do that. Cause I'm scared to do that. I don't, I don't want, I don't want the next guy coming and doing the Irish spring trick on me and throwing, you know, slices of Irish spring soap bar all around my property and no deer come out here. So yeah. I, I gotta be careful with that. But yeah, he, he literally will leave it right now. Turkey, even if he's in first season, second season, he's not worried. He'll leave it out there and it'll stay out there all year. Yes. It'll fade through the summer and the rain and stuff, but it's still there. Yeah. The, uh, it, it's cool. I, I had guys in Colorado, they own property and I was walking their property one day. I went out there to duck hunt and I'm walking and something caught the corner of my eye and I look up and there's a tree stand, like a, an old wooden tree stand. Well on the tree, I mean, this tree was probably three feet wide on the tree. They had painted a black human silhouette up where like the person uh, would actually sit and it caught me off guard. Cause I thought someone was actually up there. I'm like, crap, did I just blow their hunt? Right. And I look up and I'm like, that's that's kind of creative like they're putting that up there it's it'll catch anything's eye but they get used to that shape that outline or the silhouette being up in the tree and i'm guessing now the deer are comfortable walking by there and they don't even think twice to look up yeah it's like the trick of hanging the ball in the box blind you know where people yep. are always concerned that if they've got all the sides off or all the windows open that you know they're going to be able to you know, spot the silhouette, but so they just hang a ball there, soccer ball or basketball or whatever that, you know, kind of resembles a shape of a head. So I don't know. I've never seen that. I think that'd freak me out if I saw that out <laughs> in the woods. Oh, it was weird. It was definitely weird. I, I've thought about doing mannequins before. Yeah. Um, I, I <laughs> okay. Just, that's like, even creepier. Like I, think, I think about it. Think, put yourself in that person's shoes. That would be like you walking by and sees a mannequin sitting there. <laughs> well, I saw the, the reason I even ever had that idea. It was when I was living in Wisconsin, I was probably in high school and I was, I was reading a magazine about this dude. And then he actually popped up on the news and what he did, he took a cardboard cutout, put his blue t-shirt or a red t-shirt and blue jeans on it with his hat. And he just made this cutout out in the yard. And then he had the hands coming out from the cardboard cutout with bowls in them and it had bird feed in it. And so he just left it out there. And after a couple weeks, the birds would come and land in the cardboard cutout hands and eat from it. And so he's like, all right, now I'm going to switch. I'm going to wear those same clothes and go stand out in the same position. And he didn't have bowls. He just had the food on his palms and all of these different birds that were so used to feeding there came in and ate from his hands. And I'm like, this is so smart. Like I'm going to put, I'm going to put a man. <laughs> I was, I was going to go all Tim Wells on these deer and put yeah. a mannequin out there and put corn at the bottom of the, or like right by the feet. And then I was going to go out there with my knife or with a spear or something. I, I probably won't ever do that extreme, but um, yeah, once I get used to human presence, like you can get away with a lot. The other thing I tell people is if you act like a predator, a deer is going to treat you like a predator. When I go out to my tree stand, yep. I don't creep out. I don't walk slow. I'm not like looking like a robber in the middle of a nice neighborhood, you know, like just peeking back and forth. I, I book it. I get out there quickly. I get up in my stand. I don't worry about noise on the way in or on the way out, up the tree or down the tree. Once I'm up there, I shut up. I yep. sit. But I've watched deer in the field at 200, 300 yards. I've even had turkeys I mean, they're typically a lot farther out at 300 yards. If I'm moving quickly up a fence row, they'll just keep feeding. If I start moving really slow and acting suspicious, they're gone that quick. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of cool, 
cool new techniques, strategies, things that I'm sure good hunters back in the day knew about. Um, but we've gotten so caught up in the gear that we use and putting the money into right. it that we've gotten away from the actual things that we can control that are going to make us better hunters. There's no right or wrong way to do any of it. No. At the end of the day. All right, guys, I need to take a quick second to tell you about a product that I've been using for quite a while now. It's called Bull Elk Beard Oil. If you've spent any amount of time in the outdoors, whether it's on the mountain, in the marsh, or in the woods, you've felt the effects of the wind, the sun, and the cold on your face. What this product does, it helps you look better, feel more confident, and it helps your beard keep its moisture. Not to mention, it smells great, so now my wife can't complain as much after I come home from a long week of elk hunting. Now I need to tell you, I've gotten to know Brian the founder over the past couple months, and he is an awesome guy. Brian made sure that all of these oils are made out of clean products right here in the USA. He also loves to give back to the outdoor community, whether that's through fundraisers for public land acquisitions, or even helping donate money to cover the surgery cost of duck dogs. He's an amazing guy, and he makes an amazing product. So go check out bullelkbeardoil.com, and be sure to check out the subscription options so that you don't have to run out of your favorite facial hair product. Plus, you can use the code NOMADIC and get 20% off your order. You know, it's interesting you say that too, Dan. So one of my videos that actually got quite a few views on TikTok was I was getting out of the tree one day, and this was kind of earlier-ish um, bow season. So it was it was getting pretty late. It was probably, I mean, sun was setting probably 730. Um, so we ended up getting out of the tree at like 7, 715. Oh, I remember this Because we had to get to the bar. Because we, of course, wanted to have dinner. The <laughs> kitchen closed at eight. So I had filmed with my GoPro and it adjusted the lighting. And I got so much grief about it. And everybody was like, oh, why don't you just get out in the middle of the day? You're missing prime time. And so, of course, you can't justify it by saying, you know, I got to we got to get to the bar. Nobody cares. They just think that you're quitting early. So then I filmed a video the next morning in response to one of the comments that somebody said, you know, what are you scared to walk out in the dark? So then I walk out with my headlamp on and it's just me walking through the woods. Well, then everybody's giving me a hard time about, oh, well, could you be any louder? It's like, I can't win here, you know, no, but it's interesting you, you, you say that then that, you know, act like a predator, get treated like a predator. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to just go back. I'm going to find that video and I'm going to say my boy, Dan Matthews said, <laughs> and just give him a hard time. You quote it. me, you give him my address and my phone. I will. They can call and talk to me. <laughs> no, I yeah. think, I think people just need to be more open-minded. Like there's no one way to do it. You can do it a bunch of different ways. Some ways might work better than others, but like everyone has their own own strategy. And that's what I tell people. I'm like, what are you going to where? What's the hill you're going to die on? Because you don't agree with everybody or anybody on every single thing. Like there is something that you disagree on when it comes to whitetail hunting. And it's just like, man, do you spray the bottom of your boot or not? Do you drag a P string behind you? as you're walking in, I'm like, who cares? At the end of the day, if you have success with it, if you found something that works for you in the area, that's the other thing. Every property is different. You know, a 10 acre property is gonna hunt different than a five acre, 500 acre property. One that's right next to, you know, a, a 
elementary school at the back of a neighborhood is going to be a lot different than one out in the middle of the country where they don't ever see anybody. So you mentioned scent control. The closest thing I do to scent control, and Tasker, you've seen this. I have my giant Rubbermaid tub in the back of my vehicle and I, I get dressed and undressed the back of my vehicle with that tub inside that tub. I just break off pine branches from a pine tree in the area and just line it in there. It's just like my clothes might smell like pine. That's the closest I come to any kind of scent control. I don't worry yeah. about it. I do. I've got, I've got cedar planks that I used to keep. Actually, I think they're still in there. They probably don't even smell like cedar anymore, but years and years ago, I would take little slots of cedar and put them in my box. And I've actually heard of people dumping uh, cedar chips out in front of their stand because it's a natural insect repellent and it's a good cover scent. And yeah. I've, I've heard reports, I haven't seen the videos, but I've heard reports of deer actually coming and rolling in those cedar chips as a scent control and wow. an insect repellent and an insect repellent for themselves. And I'm like, man, it's, it's outside the box strategies. I love those. Anytime someone tells me about that, I'm like, all right, I'm going to try it. I'm going to see if it works and then, and then go from there. I haven't done the cedar chip thing yet though. And then there's me and Wags and we don't live that far away from one another. We usually run into each other at the store every once in a while. And I, I was there one day and there was a clearance on everything scent killer. I sent him a picture right away. This big haul that I've got of all this scent killer stuff. Cause it was like two or three bucks for like deodorant sticks and um, like spray bottles and all sorts of stuff. I'm like, Wags, you got to get here. It's all on sale. <laughs> I, I don't like when you did that, I I'm not a, I'm not a shampoo guy, but I do wash my clothes. Yeah. <laughs> so I do, I do go with the scent free uh, laundry detergent and, and dryer sheets, but that's the only thing I do. I let my stuff all sit in the garage. Like, or I got another shed. I got a barn a little bit closer to not where we drink and not where we have fun, but I have another barn where we just, I, yeah, I just let it sit. So it's barns all you have. You have one that you drink and one you have fun in. <laughs> well, How have I not been here? <laughs> a drinking barn, a fun so, barn. The a one, like, normally barn. We, we've heard of the beer fridge in Wisconsin. Yeah, you've got a whole beer barn. I don't believe me. I, I don't, I don't put my hunting stuff in there. People, I don't know what the hell that smells like. <laughs> People come in all over the time, but, um, but no, I just let it hit. I, it's, it's hanging right now. You know, like if, if I fall or if I'm crawling, especially my Turkey gear, usually my pants or something like that. And obviously my undergarments I will wash, but that's the only scent free, like detergent and dryer sheets that I buy. Other than that, I, I play the wind as well. And, and I just try to be as natural as possible because of the fact that it is my property. I do drive four wheelers on it. I do walk it. The girls go on it. My daughters, they'll come by. They'll, they'll do TikToks on rocks and stuff like that. And, and seriously, I'm like, I, I used to get mad. I'm like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> I tried to hunt, you know, Hey, there's a deadline here. You, you know, <laughs> September 15th, you guys are done. And it doesn't have an effect. The deer do not fear that. And, and like you said, there's different people and it's almost better to talk to random people, random listeners and callers, because you learn, you learn so much more than the guy who's trying to promote an item. Yeah, I think you need to build a, a separate barn for your daughters to do TikToks in. There you go. I know, well, yeah. <laughs> the TikTok barn. Yeah, I got oh, to start. I got I to gotta lock up the liquor cabin. They're getting too old. There goes, there goes my 20-year-old bourbon. Like, what the hell happened? Another outside-the-box strategy I'll add in that I also do is I wear waders. I hunt in waders because... I mean, they're, they're insulated, they're warm enough. And I, I don't care if it rains, snows, what I have to walk through, get into, I can do it. I mentioned that I'm a mobile hunter. If I yeah. have to walk partly through a swamp to get to something, I can do it. 
I, I wear waders when I hunt too, mainly because it's like, why would I buy a separate pair of pants just to whitetail hunting when I've got these waders that I trout fish in that, you know, I will duck hunt in or like what, like buy gear that you can use multiple different ways. You're not just stuck in like this gear is specific for this thing, man. But I'll get flack for that because I didn't spend $200 on a pair of first light pants or something. Like they're yeah. a great product. I'm not saying bad about them. Any one of the products that, you know, it's why I have something that works for me. So I just use it. Yeah, people get offended for their brand or for a brand that they use for them. I'm like, who who cares? Like, it doesn't matter if I wear a QU first light Walmart. It doesn't matter. Like, get out there, have fun and hunt. Damn right. That waiter idea, I just came up. I always have, I've got a folder in my phone called Shark Tank Ideas, and I don't ever do anything with any of them. But uh, <laughs> the one that's going to go into that to do like a, a built-in saddle system into a pair of waders for mm -hmm. whitetail hunters. That would be sweet. Like, I mean, the waders themselves are rugged enough. You could probably almost just hang from them, but like to have actual, <laughs> a harness that comes out of the front of it, man, now we're talking, we could, we could mark it and we could tell people, yeah, this is the only way that you can possibly kill a big deer is yeah, right. waders with a saddle in it. <laughs> Yeah, we got to bring Mark Cuban out here because there's our Shark Tank investor. <laughs> He's going to be like, yeah, uh, I don't know anything about this. I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> and then Wags will build another barn. It'll be the production barn. No, no, it's, <laughs> it's not production. like that. I just, there's two, there's one barn that, that we have and it's more of a storage and it's got, you know, a, a more of a baseball member. We drink, we have a, we can make food in there and we can have parties in there and stuff like that. And it's got, you know, a fire pit around it and stuff. But then the other one is more of a storage for like the tractors and, and stuff like that. And that's where I hang it. It's not like, believe me, it, it ain't the, the drinking barn's nice, but the other one is, is hold pretty, on. You uh, guys drink in Wisconsin. Yeah. That's a brand. That's a brand <laughs> new, new thing. <laughs> oh man. I, that infographic going around. That's like the entire map of the U S uh, by county that drink. Yeah. And it, it looks is. like randomly in the middle of the state, there's one County that apparently doesn't drink. Sorry, folks. That's a lake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would we, be Lake Winnebago. Yep. We, it was funny. I used to tell people that all the time. They're like, oh man, yeah. What was your hometown like? I'm like, well, there's a lot of alcohol and hunting that goes on there. And they're like, really? I mean, for a while, it, Wisconsin owned like all 10 of the top 10 underage drinking DUI states, like alcohol <laughs> consumption. The one year I can't remember it, it's been a while now, but it was like one of the first years that the Badgers went to the Rose bowl and they said they ran out of alcohol by the end of the first quarter and they had never run out in an entire game before. And I'm like, that just goes to show you how much Wisconsinites drink. Nissan stadium in Nashville, Tennessee ran out of beer before the start of the third quarter the Packers Titans game back a couple years. The, the Titans destroyed the Packers. It was a terrible game, but it was the point where then the stadium became empty because everyone's walking across the footbridge to downtown Broadway. Like they're oh, headed yeah. right yeah. downtown Nashville and Broadway because they ran out of beer in Nissan stadium. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, you gotta stock up when any Wisconsin team is playing somewhere. You've, you just buy two to three times as much as you normally would. What, uh, <laughs> as far as, as far as uh waterfowl hunting goes, I know you mentioned you got into waterfowl hunting. Um, Wags, Eric, are you guys waterfowl hunters also? You go. I, I am not really. No, my brother's pretty big into it. My brother lives right on the Mississippi. And so he's kind of traded in all of his deer hunting for really mostly duck and goose. But, um, I mean, he 
pretty much spends his entire fall out there. I mean, he can drive five minutes and be in one of the waterbeds out there. And um, he's gotten his kids into it, which is pretty cool. And, um, but I've never really taken advantage of it. I usually just end up going down and sitting in the marsh. That's they've got kind of a forested area that's adjacent to the river. And um, he'll be out there. I'll hear the, hear the shotguns blasting off and I'll be sitting there trying to bow hunt for deer and, I mean, they're used to it, so they're not really shook by it. But no, I have I've never really gotten into it much. We got a lot of uh, a lot of upland birds, a lot of pheasants. Um, obviously, there's they're they're in farms and stuff. But I get a lot of stray birds by my property. As far as waterfall hunting going, I I I've kind of gotten away from jumping ponds. Me and Ritter talked about it. You know, the woodies and the mallards. Obviously, the the greenheads, the, the greatest eaten bird, I believe. Um, but last year I passed on an opportunity to go out South Dakota. I believe they were in South Dakota. They went snow goose hunting and they were sending me video. It, <laughs> I swear to you. And I know this is, is white wrong. tomatoes. White Millions. tomatoes. There must've been a million birds. And if they hit the right day, it was like, I think they went through boxes. It's almost like shooting dove in Argentina. I mean, they, yeah. these guys were, their, their guns were smoking. I said, their barrels must've been melting because these guys shot so many snow geese. <laughs> I mean, didn't break limits, but I mean, they were just firing and they said, it's absolutely incredible. So again, another opportunity that I passed on foolish me. Yeah. That's the crazy thing. When, when the snow goose migration is coming back up spring, yeah, you're right season, there, right through it in Missouri. Oh man. They get into the first, the first group of snow geese that I've seen like close up. Uh, we estimated around 80,000 birds and they landed in the field right next to us. And I mean, we're literally just watching waves of them. You'd like clap your hands or do a big movement out by the road. Cause we were just in the vehicles looking out at them, taking video and you do something and it just looks like, the wave in a stadium, but mm -hmm. with birds and they'd pick up the other ones above. It's so loud and confusing that some are landing, some are taking off. Um, but yeah, there's no limits, no plugs and guns. You can use electronic calls. I've watched videos where in one volley, they pull up and start shooting. They'll kill 120 birds just in one round of shooting. It's, it's wow. nuts. So there's that extreme of having lots of birds. My world comes from being a diver hunter and layout boat hunting. Nice. When you're laying two inches above the surface of the water, having F-16 screaming, you know, within <laughs> feet of you and having to shoot them. That's some fun wing shooting. That's kind of the world I came from was spending, you know, growing up again in Green Bay. I'm a Great Lakes guy. Spending yeah. time, you know, up near Sturgeon Bay in the Bay of Green Bay. And, you know, a lot of the guys here in Lake Michigan actually get into a lot of sea ducks. You know, you get yep. scoters and you get, you know, some of those more sea ducks out there. But yet I've just pawn up on bluebills, redheads, canvas backs, in the occasional sea duck here and there. I, it's so much fun, man. I, I, I love that in, in waterfowl. There's no better wing shooting that I mean, I've had some great goose hunts and some great mallard hunts, but man, those that, birds so, so fast, so close to you. It's unreal. That's one thing I haven't done. I haven't done the layout boat and I've always wanted to, it seems like so like such an awesome experience. The closest thing I've done to it, like the, the close range where they're flying right over your head when I lived out in Colorado, they do pits out there. So they have yeah. literally, I mean, it's like some of them are 40 feet long by six feet wide, five feet deep. And so you're sitting on a bucket or on a chair underground and the lid of your pit is at ground level. And so you're sitting there and you, you're looking out of the lid and these birds are landing like two feet from your face. I mean, to yeah. the point where you could literally reach out and grab their leg without any of the other ones knowing about it. And that, that gets really cool. So I can only imagine on the water how much like more it would be amplified. 
I've done one of those. I had one guy in the central part of the state invite me out on a hunt and they had a pit and it was, that was just unreal. Like you said, yeah. <laughs> like you're, you're down below and it's like, wow. You know, it's that. Yeah. Oh yeah. We've had them land on the pit before. Um, I, I never did try to reach out and grab one, but I mean, we've been hit by birds falling because you know, they're coming in, you flip those lids and pull the trigger while they're still heading the same direction that they were before they died. And, uh, yeah, we've had them land in the pits, land on people before. Um, it's, it's a wild ride when you get sure. that close to them. Doing some shore diver hunting. I've caught some birds, you know, they're coming in and you know, you have two, three guys, you shoot one of them flying. I should reach up and catch it as it's just screaming past you. I've done that a few times like a football. <laughs> Heck yeah. Um, yeah, man. I like, I, I always enjoy coming back up there. It's like Wisconsin people know about it. There's, there's outdoor activities, but there is so much to do there year round. I mean, mm -hmm. if you go up to upper Michigan ice climbing, like they have some of the best ice climbing in the world in Lake or in upper Michigan, um, the kayaking, the canoeing, all of the different hunting and fishing sports that you can do. And now, I mean, it sounds like you've got, uh, do you just have one son or yeah, I just got have... the, just, just, just my one son and then we're, and we're done. Everything's been settled. We will only have one. <laughs> That's it. You took care of that right away. I, um, I spent, uh, I spent right around the weekend of the Bassmaster classic sitting on a bag of peas. We're done, man. I'm surprised. Uh, the, uh, I heard that the opening day of March madness is like, or the day before that is the number one day for vasectomies yeah. around the country. And I'm like, man, that that's the masters, the masters, yeah, the masters tournament. Oh yeah. I could yep. see that. I, Today. <laughs> I have yet, I have yet to do any of that. I'm like, nah, I, I'm good with everything down here. We can find alternative ways to yeah. take care of that. <laughs> I talked to one guy who had a vasectomy and it's ruined me. Everybody else. Like I've had 99 guys that are like, oh yeah, it was flawless. Everything's it's good. Nothing. Like no, no big deal. I had one guy that said every time he stands up, it's it just feels like somebody's giving him a gentle tug downward. Oh, and all I can think about good. is that dog on Joe Dirt that gets <laughs> yeah. frozen to the deck. And I'm like, nope, I'm out. I'm good. I feel like I have questions for whoever performed this surgery or where it was done on said uh, person you spoke to about that. But yeah, no, it's it it, it it's good. Oh yeah, that it's always the bad ones that stick with me. All the good ones. I mean, yeah, they're a dime a dozen. Everybody has a decent operation and it goes smooth, but the bad ones, I'm like, I would be that one guy. I am. Those are the unlucky. ones you hear about though. Oh yeah. Every ones. time. Did but you also, ever think that we'd have a podcast talking about vasectomies? Boy, this thing took a turn. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's gone all over the place so far. Yeah. I like it. Um, what, what's it been like, uh, raising your kid in the outdoors? And, and I mean, I know you said you focused on, on, your child for like three years are you are you starting mm -hmm. to introduce him into outdoor activities yeah, yeah it's 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 really kind of cool and fun like to see him you know i've talked about it on our show that like he just loves to be outside he loves to daddy go to the woods we're gonna go to the woods we'll just like walk like take hikes and walk through the woods he loves being outside and it's been so awesome for me to like just sit back and watch that because i see little me that grew up going in the woods on our property and stuff in northern wisconsin and so it's it's like getting to relive my childhood through his eyes and just like i'm never gonna be the person that wants to push any of my thoughts or what i do on him but i'm always gonna be open to exposing him and i feel like my wife and i were super lucky to have the kid that we have because he like loves everything about all through like last fall he's like daddy i, I want to go climb trees with daddy i want to go climb trees and, and hunt, deer hunt with daddy or it's like i want to go fishing with daddy and this and that but yet he also loves like everything disney and disney princesses and he's like i want to be a disney princess like it's just like he's just such a it, it's it's so cool to see kids in their perspective 
when it comes to like exposure, you know, I'm out fishing. I've brought fish home and let him touch and play with them and get used to it. I've taken him out on my kayak. I've, I do a sit on top lightning kayak, you know, a fish out of it like big time. So I pulled my, my paddle, my pedal drive out and just paddled with him a couple of times, got him used to it. So finally then last year, I did take him out fishing in my kayak. So it was just me and him, his little like Mickey Mouse pole. And I was just the guy just paddling around, letting him fish. And he had so much fun. And I'm like thinking as a kid, like, okay, we'll fish a little bit and we'll get out and find a sandbar. We can go swim. And the thing that he yeah. loves to do, well, we did that for like a half hour and he wanted to get back in the boat and wanted to fish. And eventually I'm like, okay, well, we got to go home. And he didn't want to leave. He spent like another two hours. He kept wanting to fish because that eventually got that fun. He was like, he would just hand me the pole, want daddy to catch the fish, but he wanted to take the fish off and release yeah. the fish. So I actually filmed that for my YouTube channel. It was one of the most fun things I filmed. I'm just yeah. like, you know, and to have that memory now to see that of his face light up and how much he just loves being around fish. He's already asking, like, I want to go fishing with daddy. And so it's like, okay, well, we got to get the ice off here. And yes, we'll eventually get out once the water warms up. I'm not going to, you know, risk you spilling in the water when it's still 50 degrees. But yeah, it's yeah. it's so cool raising a kid around the outdoors. I mean, you've got what is it? Four, three kids? Two. I've got two. two. So apparently yeah. they just multiply what I've seen. I don't know. <laughs> no, uh, my I gotta stop so, drinking. <laughs> I've got I've got a son who's five and a daughter who's four, and then my wife is pregnant, not with ours. She's actually having a baby for a couple that can't. So That's she's awesome. a surrogate right now. And um, but yeah, my kids, I took them out with some of their friends. I think we were in Michigan actually, and we went to this guy's pond at his house, and we're we're fishing. <clears throat> And we had live bait, you know, we just had a thing of night crawlers that we were pulling out and hooking and they were catching fish left and right. I mean, every, it seemed like every cast you'd have something come back on the line. Well, after about 15 minutes, I look over and they're just giggling. I'm like, oh, they are having the time of their life. I'm actually trying to catch this big one that snapped two lines already. And so I'm like facing a different direction. I look over every single night crawler is out of the tub and it's sitting on my daughter's head and they are just giggling. One will fall off. They put them on someone else's head. And I'm like, dude, this is what it's all about. Even if, if they don't remember catching that fish, if they just remember having a good time out here, it's a win and I'm going to let them do their thing. You got to uh, make it about them. You oh, can yeah. never go into taking kids in the outdoors and make it anything about you. You got to make it a hundred percent about them. Oh yeah. I'm surprised with how, with how serious my dad was about his outdoor activities. Like <laughs> I'd birds nest uh, a fishing reel and he's just, I mean, livid. He's just like, you gotta, you gotta figure this out. You gotta do it a different way. And <laughs> I, I don't know times. how I still, yeah, I, <laughs> I, think I it's still just different times. in love with it. We're, we're just of a different age or a different thought of our generation. Maybe because we put up with that sort of thing as kids <laughs> and we're like, we're not going to do that as parents ourselves. <laughs> Oh yeah. Our kids. I, yeah. It'll probably swing back the other way. Our kids are going to be like our parents and they're going to get <laughs> upset at their kids for bird nesting it. Um, but yeah, it was, it's fun, man. Getting kids out there. Every time I take my kids anywhere, they see a Turkey or a deer and they're like, shoot it, shoot it. I'm like, well, we're driving down the highway. That would get us all in trouble, but um, they, at least they have that killer instinct already. Yeah. It was like kind of funny too, when, recently some people at my kid's school figured out like you know that I do this whole radio thing and whatever and they made a comment to my kid it was like oh did you know your daddy's famous which whatever i'm like i'm not famous it's not even a thing and he looks stone-faced and goes yeah my daddy does fishing on youtube and i was like thank you <laughs> yes. thank you the thing i actually love and care about that's what you know me as yes i am winning as a parent <laughs> that's so awesome what what is it like being in sports radio but also being in the outdoors because i would imagine a lot of sports seasons kind of coincide with when you guys want to be out 
doing well, me, my, outdoor activities. Uh, say my radio show, I do country radio. I'm, I, I work in, you know, country radio in that industry. So it's like, it's, you know, I can do oh, my yeah. show and like unplug and, and go off, you know, Weggs, you know, being a former major leaguer, you know, how, you know, connecting with baseball at, you know, you got to watch games and. Yeah. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll run next door when we're done here, I'll go next door and then we'll talk uh, opening day is coming up tomorrow. Everybody's excited about that, but putting my hunting, you kind of said something. Oh, I, 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 I apologize. You said either I'm hunting or um, I'm snipping YouTube clips or putting something on my, I'd rather go hunting. Yeah. I would much rather set up hunting. I don't really care. <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I did the game for so long and, and I love baseball. It's been very good to me, but I don't care if a guy goes oh for four, but if he shoots a 170 inch buck, <laughs> I want to see it. Or if he shoots a double beard Tom with inch and a quarter spurs, I want to see that. I want to know when we go down to, when I talk at spring training and stuff, I like to hear about the guys that are in Florida because they can go and get their Osceola. We got a couple guys that hunt with our team right now in Milwaukee and a couple guys that I know in Seattle and around, they're mad that they're in Arizona for spring training because they can't hunt Florida or they can't look at birds in Florida, regardless of the time and abbreviated spring training this year or going back there. So I would much rather, I would much rather sit here with, with these knuckleheads and talk about what we can do, what we can't do you know, complain about is should the state have a three limit walleye or, you know, what's the big, do we, we do like Missouri. I think, doesn't Missouri have, um, you can't, you have to shoot an eight pointer. Isn't there a, a point restriction in Missouri? So we don't currently have any point restrictions. In fact, we are very uh, liberal with a lot of the stuff that we get. So like, I think for $17, you get uh, two any deer tags like three doe tags and two turkey tags. And so, wow. yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. We've got a uh, a fall turkey season as well. So you can shoot turkeys. I think it's the entirety of bow season with archery equipment. Wisconsin and you can shoot way. them. Either sex. You can shoot them all of October with a shotgun. And so I, I feel like Missouri is doing a lot of things right. And we just opened up uh, last year was our first year of black bear season. And the year before that, they opened up their first year of elk season. So um, wow. yeah, they've got <laughs> populations that will handle about a half a dozen tags out each year. But I think black bears was a lot more than that. And that's good because Missouri has, and so does, you know, they non-resident tags, you, you got to pay for them. And I believe that's, I believe that's the way it should go. You open up our Wisconsin outdoor news magazines and our papers, and, and they're complaining about funding the DNR. We can't stock fish. We can't do this. We can't do this. But Wisconsin has got to have the most liberal, easiest uh, guys buy out of state non-res tags for any hunting, whether it's turkey, whitetail, bear, fishing, a five-day fishing tag, inland, outland, it's so cheap. I said, yeah. instead of hammering the Wisconsin people, and we've had multiple conversations with, with DNR officials about other things and stuff, and whether it be a, a wolf tag or, or something like that, I always bring it up with the guys that we know. If you're on the NRB, if you're on the board, why is why are non-resident, every other state surrounding us hammers their non-res? It doesn't deter people from applying in Iowa and paying $590 and hoping that if you don't get it, you get your $50 refund or paying $470 in Illinois. Wisconsin, I believe a, non, a non-res 
Whitetail is like a hundred and twelve dollars. Yeah, it's less than two hundred bucks. It's it's ridiculous. Oh, I, so yeah, I pay it every year, man. That. It's yeah, it's only like hundred and fifty bucks. Now, I will say, if you're gonna convince them to up the price for non-residents, you should tell them if you were born in Wisconsin, you still get a good deal. Okay, <laughs> just so that my wallet isn't affected quite as much. No, it makes sense. I mean, we're seeing we're seeing a lot of states all over the country going toward point systems and, you know, applications. And, you know, you get into the weeds and a lot of that stuff too, like the point creep out and out west. You're never gonna catch you're never gonna catch up to it unless you're like the luckiest person on earth. I actually just put in for all my tags yesterday. I got I got <laughs> this is the latest I've ever done it. I think I had 15 minutes left before the application deadline. Um, luckily Whoa. I've got friends that live there and they always remind me because I, I just have a hard time keeping up with it, but yeah, putting in for out there just for my moose, uh, preference point, my big horn and my mountain goat preference point, I have to pay $300 just for a point to one day be able to hunt those if I get drawn. And then on top of that, I think the moose, that's the one I really want. Um, it's like 2,400 bucks once I draw for the tag for the moose itself elk out there i want to say i'm paying around 700 and some dollars a year not for, for a elk. point you, no if, for an elk tag yeah um, and then if you get a point no the points you. the points for almost all the animals just the preference point is like 9.95 like nine dollars and 95 cents but the big three moose bighorn and mountain goat they're a hundred dollars a piece for non-residents and and people are like oh that's insane that's insane well Sometimes I feel like it is because for that same amount of money in 20 years, which it's going to take more than 20 years realistically and statistically for me to draw a moose tag, I will have $2,000 just into preference points, another $2,400 into the tag if it doesn't go up between now and then. I could just pay to go hunt a Yukon moose, do a DIY hunt in Alaska. I'm like, what am I doing, man? But I still find myself every year paying for the tag or paying for the point just because it might happen. It might talk about the sooner differences and the people that argue there'll be other people that argue, well, why do that stick that money into a lease or stick that money into buying a property versus spending it, you know? Oh yeah. It's, it's like buying lottery tickets. I, I never think that I'm going to win and I don't buy them very often, but it's just like, Oh, it might happen one day. It might, you know, if I do, I'm going to be happy that I put in for it. Um, I'm not the guy I'll put in for a couple different States every year, places that I really want to hunt. And people, people don't realize there's a lot of Eastern States now that have world-class elk hunting, like Pennsylvania, Kentucky, Kentucky the draw yeah. odds are pretty high. They're a lot less pressured. They've got a great herd and the age structure of them is so much higher because there's not as much pressure. There's not as many predators for them. And so you can get into some elk out in those States and they taste great because they're corn fed, you know, yeah. an elk that's corn fed tastes way better than a sagebrush elk. I mean, right. there's no comparison. And so, uh, yeah, there's, there's beginning to be opportunities everywhere and hand, hats off to the Rocky mountain elk foundation yeah. because there are elk. I, I really believe that in the next 30 years, I would say 40 plus of the lower 48 states are going to have uh, huntable elk populations. Like well, it used to be. 
Well, what yep. do we, what do we allow? 12, 12 right now. And they're coming down from clam Lake. And- 10 there's 10 tags are given out. Um, nine of them. I, I believe it's 10, nine are drawn. And then one of them is like a, a donation that the Rocky Mountain Elk Family, yeah. like they do like an auction yeah. highest bidder gets that 10th tag. I think that's what, I think it's 10. It might even be six. You know that it might be six. I think it's only six. I think it's five are drawn. And that sixth is like the random. Cause yeah, there's, there's only the one unit that's huntable right now. And all of our population came from Kentucky. You know, they brought yeah. it over and we've grown two pretty good elk populations yeah, in the state of Wisconsin. You just got to keep the uh, whitetail hunters from mistakenly shooting them. I heard, oh, I God, heard those stories this year. year. How you make that mistake to me is still, uh, I don't know. I no, mean, no, it's, it's, it's like the joke out in Montana, the slow elk. You know, you yeah. get the guy out there that'll poke a slow elk. Uh, that was a cow, sir. Yeah. What? I mean, how do you do like a cow and an elk? They're two completely different things. Now they're yep. just hunting world-class whitetail. That's all that it is. Yes. <laughs> world yeah. class. We heard about these. They're yeah, they're from Illinois. They're coming up to hunt the monster whitetail they hear about. Yeah. And they do. They shoot a 380-inch whitetail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Non-typical though. So. Yeah. Yeah. Non-typical. Man, I got 600 pounds of meat off this whitetail. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> How come awesome. I can't hunt for three years now? <laughs> Can I have my gun and truck back? No. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Well, man, I really do appreciate you guys hopping on the call with me. It was it was a ton of fun catching up, and I like reminiscing about the old days back in Wisconsin. I still come up every year, so one of these times I'm going to have to give me give me a pin drop um, wags to whichever barn you guys hang out and drink in. <laughs> I might get confused when I pull in, but, uh, we'll have to get together in person at some point. And if, and if nobody's there, just go right to the refrigerator, help yourself. There's plenty to drink, get you right back into the Wisconsin trail. Yeah. Um, before we hop off, uh, why don't you guys share with the listeners where they can find all of your stuff? I mean, I'm sure you guys are broadcasting to way more people than I am, but it might be a different, uh, different audience so why don't you share where they can follow along where they can listen all that good stuff well our uh, our show in the podcast form you can find it on the iheart radio app search out tailgate talk easiest way socials we pretty much mainly instagram it's at on the tailgate so you know at on the tailgate is our like collectively our entire show um you can also stream the show live saturday morning seven o'clock on 97.3 the game in milwaukee again iheart radio app just search in 97.3 the game or the game milwaukee it'll come up that's where we're based at here is milwaukee uh, me personally on socials, it's the real Ritter. So like the, like a fishing reel and then R-I-D-D-E-R. That's on all Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm there. I'll find my YouTube, everything through there and see lots of kayak fishing content and some random goofiness and outdoor cooking and whatnot. That, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Nice. And then I've got, uh, my Instagram is just ET5504. Um usually pretty active on that. It's usually just me at country concerts or sitting in a tree stand. <laughs> uh, and then uh, my TikTok handle, which, you know, I mean, that's the big thing is Wisco Bowhunter. <laughs> and then Wags is laughing. I still got a... Remember this generational thing, this thing being different? <laughs> this is what's great about our show. And that's exactly that, is that we've got that that fun factor of like, you know, you've got the the younger guys and I'm a super like tech geek, like type person. Like we talk about theories and stuff. I'm the guy that I think I spend more time looking at maps than I do anything. Like I've probably, oh yeah, I, I've seen more topographic maps than I've seen of like my family at times. Like, I'm just <laughs> like, if I have a free second, I'm usually up like, and then my wife's like, 
oh, you know, KSA socios is, you know, what, what is this? And I'm like, oh, just, you know, looking at some map studying stuff for, you know, a kayak tournament that I'm going to be in later this summer. So I'm just like, I'm like still constantly every chance I have like studying, oh, can I find something here? You know, that's, oh yeah, th- that's me. These guys, not so much as crazy about the tech stuff as I am. Wags, Wags is, is going to give everybody his, a, his pager Instagram number. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I just, I just got rid of my hotmail email account. Now I got Gmail. <laughs> so I got your AOL instant messenger. Hey, I, I literally still have an AOL uh, email account and I do it. People probably know that's like the throwaway account where if you're signing up for somebody, yep. something, that's the one I always <laughs> write down. That's my Yahoo. Yep. All right. Yeah. It's been fun, man. Great, great catching up again. Always love to see a dude sporting some Wisconsin stuff on all of your socials repping, whether it's the bucks or Packers or brewers, which you want to come to a game sometime or something, you know, try and hook, let us know ahead of time. We can uh, try and reach out. seems that, you know, we're right here in the heart of all that. That is literally the one thing as a Wisconsinite, I, I almost can't even claim that I was born there because I have never been to an actual game. I've gone to like the family night scrimmages, things like that, but I've never actually been to any professional game except one Milwaukee Brewers game for my dad's work picnic. That's it. Wow. So, well, you let us know when you're in town, we'll make it happen. Oh man, absolutely. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll wait till it's like a real good showdown. Maybe, maybe the bears. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to try and hang on to this card and cash this in at the best possible moment. <laughs> Super I'm going to make these that guys Super Bowl pay. week. That's yeah. going to be when it is. No, he's going to pay for mentioning anything well, to do with this. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks again. No problem. Thanks, Dan. And that is going to wrap it up for today's episode. Man, it's always a good time chatting with new people, especially when they're from America's Dairyland. I mean, getting to talk to people about hunting and fishing in that great state, I absolutely love it. In fact, I'm about to head up there this week. Unfortunately, it's not for great reasons heading to a funeral, um, but I am pumped to get back up there and see family, see friends, and hopefully connect with some of these people. So we'll see how that all plays out. I'll keep you updated. If I get together, keep an eye out on social media and see how that went. But I'm I'm a couple days away from turkey season. Um, I think spoonbill snagging is going on right now here in Missouri. The walleye are running, crappie are about to start biting, morels are popping off, all kinds of good stuff. And I'm guessing most places around the country are experiencing spring in its fullest. And so hopefully that's you. Hopefully you're out there chasing after some type of animal, picking up morels, uh, who knows what you're doing as long as you're outside doing it. So until next time, always choose adventure and God bless.